I love this uh, test called Strengths Finder. Has anyone ever taken it? Show of hands, Strengths Finder. Yes, Gallup, yes. Make sure you invest in that. And um, he really focuses on your top five strengths. And um, I was surprised to, to discover a few years back that my top five are all mental. They're, they're all in, in my mind. They're all, it's belief, intellection, um, futuristic, and I forget the other two. But everything is here. I'm, I'm, you know, so, and, and it makes sense because I love coffee shops and I love to read a lot of books and I love to write a lot. And I'm always planning and I'm always thinking beyond today. I'm always like, I'm honestly, I'm past today. Like today's cool. It's, it's great. But I'm already processing through this day two years from now. And um, I love that grace or that gift to think in a futuristic sense because it keeps you out of the muck of today. And it kind of just keeps things bouncing off of you. It's not that you don't go through stuff, but you just know you're going to get through it. I'm going to, you can't sing the song and not believe it. You know what I mean? Um, So that's just kind of where I'm at with it. But I'm always processing through like, so how's Ukraine and Russia situation going to turn out? Is it going to lead to World War III? Um, uh, You know, are we going to stop it? Like what's going on? Um, I'm always processing Highlight Church. We're five years old right now. Where will we be when we're 10? Um, I'm 34. Where's my life going to be when I'm 40? I'm always in the future, always planning for the future. And with that, I want this to kind of be um, our hanger question for today, uh, where we're going to hang out. Go ahead and write this down. I'm always processing, processing this. Where do I need to be today in order to prosper tomorrow? Where do I need to be today in order to come out on top tomorrow. And the word prosper, someone say prosper. Prosper Prosper is a God word. I think through a lot of bad teaching and um, a lot of unhealthy things that have gone on across the church world, um, you know, we can see the word prosper and we can begin to think like prosperity gospel. I knew it was one of these churches. You know, no, we're not. This is a God word. We're going to redeem it. God made this word prosper. And it simply means to move forward or advance or to grow. So where do I need to be today? Someone say today Today. in order to prosper tomorrow, because it does no good to think about the future if you don't process the present and if you don't plant yourself well today in the present. And so in preparation of this message the Holy Spirit brought me to a seed. Y'all know seeds often make it to this stage in an illustration of some sort. This is a sunflower seed. I was just thinking, man, like, can everyone see this seed? You're near-sided, far-sided. Can you see it? Okay, go. <laughs> see. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a seed, you know. And so I was thinking how, man, this is a small entity. But within it lies its future lies its tomorrow. There's potential. There's yellow, bright potential. Someone say yellow potential. It's yellow, bright. It's dark right now, but it's bright potential on the inside of it. I was just thinking about how uh, the future is in the seed. The possibilities are in the seed. I was just evaluating uh, this seed. But when I think about where it needs to be, we all understand just conventional wisdom will tell you that you can't just plant it here on the stage. Right. 
I mean, we could sit here for the next year, and we could even try to get creative with this. I'm going to wake some of you all up who have more important things to do than listen to me. Wow. Right? We can wait a whole year, and nothing will happen. Nothing. We can, okay, we can put it here. And nothing will happen. Or we can take it and put it in its proper soil. That's good. The proper soil. Someone say proper soil. Because it doesn't go in any kind of soil. There's a certain kind of soil. You have soils that are high water retention, low water retention. You have sand. You have mixed soil, blase, blase. Um, certain pH this belongs in. There's a proper soil in order for the seed to break forth and to prosper. I was thinking in terms of my life and how in any given season, there's a part of my life that's still in seed form. And my life needs a constant to be rooted in and planted in in order for all of that potential to bloom. Right. So we talked last week about the works of the enemy are the works of separation and how in this culture we've developed this bad habit of being planted and then uprooting quickly. And so there are certain parts of our lives where we'll never see the full potential bloom because we're, we're, not, we're not planted. This has to be in the right soil. Simply put, next thought, go ahead and write this down. Where I am today determines what I become tomorrow. Where I am today determines what? Not who I become, but what I become. Right. Because you're always going to be you. I'm always going to be Joshua Redding. You're always going to be, you know, Megan. You're always going to be Trevor uh, Chow. You're going to be you. But what you become? I'm a father. But will I be a great father or an absent father? Right. I'm a pastor. But will I be a, a great pastor or a sucky pastor? Right. Uh, business owner. Will you be a great business owner or not? Will you be a great student or not? And it's all determined by where you are today. And I don't mean Sunday, but I mean consistently where you're rooted and where you're planted. Where can I find you every single day? Because it has a lot to do with what you become tomorrow. This thing can, this seed can still be a seed in a year or it can be something totally different. And a year is not a lot of time, but it is when you think in terms of consistency, it's compound results. And so I, I want to bring the word of God to you real quick. Psalm 92. This is one of our main verses today. It says this here. Good people. Now, I want to make a, um, a disclaimer. Um, Jesus said no one is good. All right. So the Bible is saying those who have come to Christ have been made right in the eyes of God. Right. So if you're a believer, you're good because Christ has made you right with God. So here it is. You're a believer. Now that you come to Christ, what's the next step? Because it's not just about salvation. We, we said a few weeks ago that salvation is like missing hell. Like if this is hell and that's heaven, it's like, whoo. Wow. That was close. But it's a lot more to following Jesus than missing hell. It's a lot. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. It's a lot more than, you know, to following Jesus and then, you know, uh, uh, 
you know, struggling with our sins and, and oh, at least when I die, I'm going to heaven. No, it's a lot more than that. It's this. Good people will, God word, prosper. Someone say prosper. Save people, believers will prosper. But how? Okay, like palm trees and they will grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. Most fruitful trees in Israel, uh, the strongest trees in Israel. Okay, let's keep going here. Verse 13 says this. They will take root. This is how in your house. Lord God, and they will do well. So how are they going to prosper? They're going to take root in the local church. That's good. They're not just going to raise their hand on Easter. On Christmas. On Mother's Day. At their uncle's funeral. Oh, I got to do something about my life, boy, because, whoo, my uncle dead, and I might get into a car accident or something. Not trying to make light of that, but that's what we do. We go to a funeral... The eulogy happens, that pastor makes the altar call, Jesus, I give my life to you. No, no, there's a lot more to it than heaven. He says, you will take root, someone say root, in the house, Lord God, and they will do well. I don't know about you, but I want to do well. I want to do well. I don't just, I don't want to be a weak believer. I don't want to be a miserable believer like I, like I suck on lemons all day, just a bitter, sour. But come on, church. Uh, uh. Some of y'all, the world can't even tell you're Christians because you always. It's like, that's Christianity? I don't want that. I got better things to do on Sunday, right? But verse 14 says this. They will be like trees, here it is, that stay healthy and fruitful even when they are old. So now my futuristics kicking in, Pastor Chow. I read verses like that, and I'm like, man, I am doing the right thing. Yeah, let me stick in this thing. Let me protect my passion and my fire. Let me stay consistent in this thing, because I don't want to die alone. I don't want to die bitter. I don't want to be regretful. I don't want my family to hate me. I want things to go well. I want to be healthy. I want to grow old. The Bible says about Moses, he was 120 years old and his mind was still sharp and his eyesight was still sharp. He was living his best days right before he died. And that's what the scripture is saying, that as you stay rooted in the local church, things are going to go well with you. It says this here, this is going to be the result of our lives. Verse 15 says this, and they will say about you, the Lord always does right. God is our mighty rock. I love the book of Joshua. Joshua was coming to the end of his life, and he, he told the people of Israel, it was over 2 million people, he said, now, he said, now you know. He was talking like a grandpa. He said, now y'all know that all of the Lord's promises have come to pass. He said, we've been rolling since we were young, and now you know God's good. And so if we can think a little bit further, if you can think, think 10, 20, 25, 30 years down the road, I want you to evaluate your relationship with Jesus. Not with Highlight Church, not, not with our Instagram account that you like, not with the looks of, of a church or an organization or that shirt that's on your chest. I want you to evaluate your relationship with Christ. And know this, that by the time you get to the end of it, this is what you're going to say. That the Lord always does right. And that God is your mighty rock. God is not going to fail you. Now, I was, um, came upon some very intriguing research um, through Harvard University. 
their School of Public Health a few years ago, secular source, which is kind of crazy. And they talked about those who were consistently planted and rooted in a health, healthy local church, Harvard. And how being rooted in a healthy local church reduces the risk of these things. They follow over 4,000 people for a year and they drew up their medical report. And this was the result of following these 4,000 people. This is from Harvard. Reduced risk of death by 33%. What's the tagline of our series? The blessing of a healthy local church. Right. Reduce the risk of death by reduce the risk of suicide by 84%. A healthy local church. Right? Reduce the risk of depression, 29%. Reduces the risk of divorce by 50%. This makes sense. This is crazy. Because sometimes it's the guy going after the Lord and the girl's not into it. Or it's the woman going after the Lord and the guy's always home when he should be leading his family to the house of the couple. Y'all don't. I'm about to go. I'm about to fire it up. A real man loves God. And, and you're the one up. You're getting dressed. You're getting ready. And you're saying, kids, we're going to the house of the Lord. But this makes sense. 50%. It can be a little half and half sometimes. So Paul says this in Corinthians. He says, if there's a believing spouse and a non-believing spouse, don't divorce that person. But keep serving God. Because what you're doing is you're setting your unbelieving spouse apart for the Holy Spirit to do work in their hearts. And, and, it, and it may take years for that spouse to come into the fold, but, but stand guard. If they're not abusing you, if they're not physically abusive, verbally abusive, if they're, if they're good people, keep serving the church and God will eventually bring them in. It reduces the risk of um, deaths of despair for women, 68%. Some people are just simply dying because they're sad. And they're hopeless. So remember last week, Jesus said, um, we, we're always asking God, where are you, God? What is God doing? It's a war. It's, it's you know, it's famine. It's a, it's, a, it's a plague. It's a pandemic. What is God doing? Jesus said, I will build my church. So right now, as we speak, Jesus is building those who gather in his name. He's building your life as we gather. That's the primary thing that God is doing in the world. And it does not make the news. But that's what he's doing. It will when he comes back. It's going to be all over the news. The Bible actually says that the entire world is going to see when Christ breaks that sky open. So for right now, he's low-key building his church. And so, but he, said, and the, but he said the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, the word powers means works. And the word hell means separation. So he's saying the works of separation will not conquer me building the church. This is what Satan is doing. Why do you think the pandemic and, and separating was pushed so hard for something that really wasn't knocking people off like that? And now the truth comes out. Core morbidities and old folks. And, 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 you know, no, no, no. It was pushed so hard because the enemy was separating people. And there was a couple months throughout that thing where suicide itself took out more people than the virus. That's what you call the works of hell. 
And so whenever you're tempted to not come to church or not go to your light group or not serve, you got to ask yourself, where is this thought coming from? Right. All thoughts. Watch this. Don't come from you. Nor do they come from God. There's a third source out there. And the Bible, the word of God, though God cannot lie. Says that there is an enemy out there. And I once heard a pastor say, if, if Satan can't keep you from Jesus, his next goal is to make you a miserable believer. And the way he does it is through separation. But being connected into a healthy local church reduces the risk of deaths of despair for women by 68%. 33% for men. It reduces the risk of teenage depression by 12%. I wish we could take more youth to this conference in Memphis. It's going to be amazing. These conferences are game changers. And so the Life Church Memphis is a church that pours into us. Uh, There's spiritual covering. A trusted group of people, 25 years old, healthy church. But man, when teens go to conferences like this, where they have fun and they get loose and they get sweaty and they get smelly and they worship the Lord and then they got to serve the city and they eat all kinds of food and they get to stay up late and have fun and talk about Jesus. This is the result of it. Come on, church. This is the result. It reduces this crap. It reduces it. How about this? This one really blew my mind. Adam Grant. You can look all this stuff up. I ain't lying to you. Men lie. Women lie. Numbers don't. And I love how science is catching up to God. Y'all missed that because y'all sleepy. Y'all should have praised right through there. That was a praise right through there. I love this statement. Adam Grant, organizational psychologist, said this. Being rooted in a healthy local church adds years to your life. And Jesus said that the power of Satan is sin and death. But I'm building my church because I want to add years. Come on, church, to your life. This thing is a life-saving, God-moving organism. That's what the local church is. It was born in the supernatural, and it operates in the supernatural. And we'll talk about that here in a few months when we get into. So simply put, I need to be planted in a healthy local church. If my life is a seed, and if certain parts of my life will be in you know, seed form, I need to consistently be planted in the house of God. I need to be here on Sunday. I need to be in a group. I need to be serving. I need to be building relationships. This is where I need to be. So I want to give you three ingredients of a healthy local church. You can call the church soil. And um, number one is God's presence. The first ingredients of a healthy local church is God's presence. It says this here in Second Chronicles chapter 5. It says this here, the trumpeters and singers performed together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, they raised their voices and praised the Lord with these words. So it was loud in the Old Testament, uh, Old Testament church. Verse 14 says this, 
He is good. His faithful love endures forever. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. Keep going here. And it says this, the priests could not continue their service because of the cloud. For the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. Filled the temple of God. You you know when you come here and and, and, um, something in you just begins to rise up. Someone said hello to you. Someone gave you a weird high five. Someone tried to go for the hug, but you're like, oh, no, you're like that. A lot of our new guests are like, the virus, please back up. You know, but, you know, and then you come in here and you're like. Or even when you're new, it's like it's weird, but there's something right about it. Right. Or you start to cry. You start to feel chills. That's what you call the glorious presence of God. Why? Because Jesus said this in Matthew 18. He says this here. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my father in heaven will do it for you. And he says this here for where two or three verse 20 for where two or three gather together as my followers, the church. So it's not just a vibe. It's not just energy. Like when you feel the chills, when you want to cry, when your heart starts to, it's filled up with hope. That's literally Jesus walking by, like touching you, right? He's ministering to you when you come here. For where two or three or more gather as my followers, I am there among them. Christ is here now. And he's taking the words that I'm saying and and he's, he's making them, you know, he's, it's applying to your specific. That's if your heart's here. Yeah. If you're trying to break me down and, and break down this and like, I'm going to go home and do the research and I'm going to figure it out. You might as well. Usher's open doors right now. Like <laughs> you, you don't get none of this if your heart's not here. Yeah, you don't get this. You don't get this. If you came here to learn something. You don't get this because there's a time to learn, but then there's a time to increase your faith. Right. And you, yeah, you should be learning something. But what should be changing is your heart as the word of God is preached, which is the second ingredient of a healthy local church. It's God's word. And that represents the fertilizer. God's word, the nutrients that your soul needs, says this in Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing, watch this, and hearing through the word of Christ. Someone say faith. Faith, faith comes through hearing. All right, what is faith? I'll give you a definition. Write this down. Faith is the ability to believe God for the impossible. Faith is the ability, or you can put capacity, to believe God for the impossible. That's faith. The Bible says that it comes through hearing. It comes through reading, but it first comes through hearing. Now with that, Scripture says, we shared this a few weeks ago in Ephesians, that Jesus gave five gifts to mankind when he ascended, not just to the church, but to the entirety of the world. There's only five classes of people that Christ himself has given the authority to speak into your soul. 
And this is why you can't let everyone into your soul. This is why you got to check the news out, get the information back out. Get out of the fear. Get out of the extra. You got to back out because God has given five categories of people the authority to speak into your soul. And the Bible says this in Ephesians. Evangelists, apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors. And what God does is he anoints or he empowers those individuals to make the scripture clear and practical and applicable in your life. So at Highlight Church, I know, Trevor, you feeling this. Thank you for being here. Now, now, so at Highlight Church, I love to leave the cookies on the bottom drawer. Because there's a lot of deep stuff in the Bible. Yeah. With show of hands. Yeah. A lot of stuff we don't understand. Right? And that does nothing for your faith. But when we pull this word out and we define what faith is, and we tell you it comes from hearing, and we tell you that God has gifted certain people to speak into your life, that adds credence to the fact that I need to be in church every Sunday. Because in order for my faith to grow, I need to be in a place where I'm constantly hearing the word of God. I need to hear it. And it's the same with me. I'll preach. Um, I get home, y'all. I'm, I'm half dead. Like um, they, they say UCLA, a study out of UCLA said that um, <clears throat> 30 minutes of public speaking is the equivalent of working an eight-hour shift. And I always used to want, I remember when we launched the church. It was one service. I would go home and, ah! <laughs> what was that? It was spiritual outpouring. You're carrying people's hearts and their thoughts and their spirits with you when you get home and you just pour it out and you're hoping that it lands on good soil. You go home depressed and insecure. Ain't no one say nothing to you. They ain't tell you it was good. They don't text you. They come to your church. See you later, pastor. It's like, was it good? Did it work? Was it, did it feed you? You already got to look at you for 35 minutes and then you just, it's like, all right, I guess make me want to preach next week. But no, like 30 minutes, the equivalent of an eight hour work shift. So after three, three sermons, I've worked 24 hours in one day. Whoa. And it draws me back to when I worked overnight shift at the hospital and I would get home and I'll have to take my kid to school and be with the baby until 12, 1 p.m., and I finally get to bed, I felt like a zombie. But God was preparing me for this. So now when I get home and, and I get a little nap, I get a little rest, I get online and I go to the Life Church. He's one of my pastors. I go to Life Point in Fredericksburg. I listen to Pastor Daniel, listen to Pastor John, I listen to Jensen Franklin, I, I listen to some other guys, and I'm getting filled up. Because after you pour it out so much and you don't get like a response at the level that you put out, you're discouraged. I don't even know if it worked. Mm -hmm. I want to quit. Yeah. I'm, I'm, sometimes you get depressed. If you let the enemy get in here, you get borderline suicidal. Yeah. But I need to hear it yeah. so that my faith is increased. And so do you. Yeah. And a lot of us come, we put our hands together. <clears throat> And a lot of us ask, like, why do we got to go to church? Yeah. 
Because if you don't, we'll be visiting you in the hospital. You, you need the word of God. You need truth. It says this here, Joshua 1.8. It says this here, study this book of instruction continually. Someone say continually. That sounds like plant it. Meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure to do everything written in it. Only then will you prosper. There it is again. Someone say prosper. And succeed in all. Someone say all. All you do. Now in the Hebrew, this word here, in the Hebrew, all, watch this. It means all. It means all. But let, 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 let me encourage you. This is also hearing the word. So meditation is, you, you may read 10 verses today. Let me help you. And one verse may pop out. Meditation is taking that one verse and repeating it verbally to yourself. For life and death are in the power of the tongue. And if all you're ever hearing is death, the word he uses here, succeed, is you will prosper and make all things right in your life. If all you're hearing is death through social media, through the news, through other people, things will not be right in your life. So what I got to do is I got to learn to uproot all that crap, go home, read a verse. And your mind has to hear your mouth. And if you make a practice of it, your pathways will begin to be transformed and when your mind is transformed as a man thinks so is he be sure to do it to obey it so you got to get into this word of truth let me find something right now as an example oh there it is right there the wise are glad to be instructed stop right there because now I can allow the Holy Spirit to, and that's Proverbs, if you want to know, Proverbs 10, 8, please don't pull it up. But now I can go home and I can let the Holy Spirit work on me. Mm -hmm. Wow, I was, I was prideful this week. Mm -hmm. someone, tried to, someone tried to help me. Someone tried to counsel me. Mm -hmm. But now I'm going to meditate on this truth and get it into my soul. The wise are glad to be instructed. The wise are glad. I'm wise. Lord, I'm, I'm someone who receives feedback because you want to make me better. And I'm glad. It's replacing who your flesh wants you to become with the work of the Spirit of God. And the Bible says, may your mind be renewed and be transformed by the way that you think. And the only way that you can transform the way that you think is to meditate on this thing right here. Right. It doesn't say uh, study Instagram continually. Wake up with it. It doesn't say get together as a family and pull out your phones while you're eating on Instagram continually. How are you ever going to break lust if 
all you're ever watching is you got to replace the crap with the word. Why is that important, Pastor? Well, because God's word is the guide to success. Everything else is a supplement. It is the guide to making all things right in your life. Visit many books, but live in the word. The third ingredient is God's people. And this is your root system. You need God's people. There's the redwood sequoia, one of the oldest trees and largest trees in the world. Hundreds of feet tall, extremely thick in diameter. But you'd be surprised because their root system does not go deep. Hundreds of feet tall, root system probably goes 12, 15 feet deep. But the expansion of its root system... And what it does is it interconnects with other redwood sequoias in the unseen. So people will look at your life and wonder, why are you so strong? How did you make it through that? If you were honest and you're really rooted in the church, you wouldn't just say, ah, God's good. Yes, we we agree. You wouldn't just say, I'm awesome. You'd say, it's the community that I'm in. Right, their, their expanse is vast and they interconnect with other trees thousands of feet down the way. So that enables them to continue to grow and be strong and to prosper. It says this here in Ecclesiastes 4, the wisest man that ever lived. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other get this thing life right. Right, they can help each other succeed. Verse 10 says this it says, If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone who falls is alone, falls alone, someone who falls alone is in real trouble. You need community. We always say this men need men, women need women. It's not this us four no more. It's not this I'm married and we're happy. No, no, no. Uh, uh-uh. You need to learn how to argue, how to disagree. You need someone to encourage you to stay in that marriage. You need a man to hold you accountable to tell you to stop talking to your wife that way. Stop treating her that way. Women, you need other women to tell you to listen up and to chill out. And you, you just do. You, you know. You, women who are single and you're, you're trying to live pure, you need other women to walk in purity with. Yes. You, you can't do it all alone. And simply put, the struggle that's not shared can't be supported. We need to know what you're struggling with. It can't be supported. I I would argue that about 70% of us are really struggling hard with something in this room. But majority of them, you haven't shared with anybody. God doesn't want you to come into the church with that struggle and leave with it. You got to begin to share. Here it is. The pain that's not revealed can't be healed. You got to reveal it. Where does it hurt? Find common ground with somebody. Build trust. may take some months, may take a year, whatever. Build some trust and then be transparent so you can heal. A lot of us are still stuck in the pain phase. 
just went to see this superhero movie. I won't put it out there. But at the end of it, you can tell that that brother was stuck in the pain phase. One of them chose to heal. So as a result, he was saving lives. The other one got stuck in pain. As a result, he was tearing lives down. You got to reveal it so we can help you heal. And then this, the sin that's not confessed can't be conquered. That addiction, that secret sin, you want to be free. But you need to bring it to the church. And uh, we're not here to condemn you. We're not here to, you know, hold you down or hold you back. We're here to say, hey, us too. You'd be surprised at what we all struggle with. And we're just trying to, we're trying to make it. Um, in the scripture, there's a line of theology when it comes to walking with Christ. And it's justification. You're justified just as if you had not sinned. You're justified. There's sanctification, right? So that's the process of becoming more like Christ in your faith as you walk with God. But in the process of sanctification, we're waiting for glorification. And that's when Christ comes back and we never make any mistakes or commit any sins or bad decisions again. We're in the sanctification stage. And when you're being sanctified, you're going to sin. But in order to be healthy, you need to confess, not just to God, but to your brother and sister. God forgives, but the healing is a contact sport. In the Bible, I can back this up. The brother of Jesus said this, James 5, 16 says this, if you have sinned, you should tell each other what you have done. Then you can pray for one another and be made whole. And sometimes, guess what? We're going to be praying together for a year, two years, three years for you to break, for you to break alcohol. Five years for you to break porn. Six years for you to break uh, a sexual affinity or, or whatever it is you struggle with. It's going to take time, but we're in it together. Psalm 92, 13 through 14. I want to give you real quick three results of being planted, and then we're going to pray and get out of here. They will take root in your house, Lord God. They will do well. Someone say do well. They will be like trees that stay healthy. Say stay healthy and fruitful. Say fruitful even when they are old. So here are three results of being planted in the house of God for the rest of your life. Number one is wealth. They will do well. We're not just talking about money. We're talking about a wealth of all good things. Wealth of friendships, a wealth of support, a wealth of wisdom, a wealth of resource. Some of you are meant to be very rich, but you won't know it. You won't tap into it until you allow God and the people of God to pull that potential out of you. Wealth of all good things. They will do well. That's the promise of God. Number two is health. 
and they will stay healthy. Emotional wholeness, mental wholeness, the numbers did not lie. It's not that you're a sick person or you're crazy or you're anxious or you're depressed. You just don't have a support system. You just don't have someone to come alongside you and say, hey, I'm crying with you. I'm suffering with you. And you're not weird. We all struggle. You don't have someone who's going to say, well, but we're going to get back up and we're going to move forward. And whatever you need us to do, we'll go to the doctor. We'll we'll get counseling. Whatever you need, we're going to do this together. We all go through it. But the promise of God is health. And then fruit. You're going to be fruitful. This means that when you're rooted in the local church, that you're going to produce things that impact the lives of others. And that's where the real joy comes in at, is when you're changing lives with the family of God. They're going to be fruitful. I believe this for your life. Wealth, I speak it over you. Health and fruit. But I need you to make the step to get planted. I need you to get in a group. I need you to attend super steps. It's going to be good food. I need you to do that. Get on the team. If this word blessed your life, put your hands together. Oh, Hallelujah.